Good morning. Uh, I invite you to take your Bibles and open them to the book of Ephesians, the New Testament book of Ephesians, the first chapter. Today, I want us to think about a, 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 a great passage from this, this great letter from the Apostle Paul to the ancient church in Ephesus. We have another week, uh, this week, to sort of play with before we start our summer study next Sunday morning in earnest uh, in the Old Testament book, book of Ecclesiastes. I've, I've mentioned that to you a few times now. And just if you want to continue with us on Sunday mornings in the summer, that's where we're going to be. We're going to be studying through Ecclesiastes. It'll be a challenging study for me, uh, to be sure, to teach through. I've never taught through it before, but I'm looking forward to it. I think it's got a lot to teach us. And, and I encourage you even now, between now and then, you've got a week to, uh, to be reading that book ahead of time. It's, uh, it's, it's short enough that you could read through it several times before next Sunday. And, uh, and I think if you do that, if you read through it and, and think through it on your own, uh, you, will, you will get that much more out of it when we, when we have our study together on Sunday mornings. But that's where we're headed. But we had another week before that study next week, and so I thought we would uh, focus on a great passage here in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians is one of my favorite letters from the Apostle Paul, and I thought we would think about a passage here in chapter 1 on the theme of the Lordship of Christ. The Lordship of Christ. Uh, I don't, again, I don't plan to say anything earth-shatteringly new, but these are, all truth is God's truth, this truth is God's truth, and it's always timely. And so even the simplest of truths, uh, when, when, when brought to bear in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, are, uh, are powerful things indeed. I th- and I think what we're going to think about this morning is an especially needed word uh, in the present time, I mean, because for the past, you know, two, two and a half months, it's, people have had a lot of uncertainties uh, still to this day, I mean, about the state of the world, about the state of the economy, about, about all sorts of things. It's just, a, it's just a weird time that we're living in, and nothing seems normal right now. It's hard to predict even what's going to happen next week, let alone next month. But be that as it may, uh, the Lordship of Christ is an unchangeable certainty. It's an unchangeable certainty that should guide the church through this time the, uh, and, and comfort the church in this time, uh, in this generation, in every generation. And when I say the church, I mean, if you're a professing believer and follower of Christ, that means you. This should be a, 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 a truth, the Lordship of Christ at the forefront of your view of the world, and it should guide you and comfort you and 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 uh yeah personally in 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 these situations and scripture is clear not just in ephesians but in so many places uh especially in the new testament about the lordship of christ over all things just a couple of examples uh so we read in colossians chapter one saying of jesus all things were created through him and for him and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Right? So he is Lord over everything because he created everything. He, 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 yeah, all things were created through him. There is nothing in existence outside of his creative dominion. Uh, and he's holding it all together, it says. That's Colossians 1, 16 and 17. Then you come to the book of Hebrews, and it says in its first chapter, about, about the Lord Jesus in, in just the third verse that Jesus Christ is the radiance 
of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He upholds all things merely by the word of his power. And he holds all things together. So you have that, that that's going on at the same time that we are perceiving uncertainty in the world. Like so, so as we look out and we see uncertainty and we see perplexity, we don't know what's, what's going to happen. We don't know how it's going to turn out. Things look bleak. You know, while that is going on, the Lord Jesus Christ is Lord over those very things and holding them all together. No matter how things appear to be in upheaval in the world, there is one thing that is constant now and forever, and that is the sovereign lordship of Jesus Christ over all things. That's the clear and unmistakable testimony of Scripture, and it's what I want us to consider for just a few minutes this morning. Regardless of present circumstances uh, in the world, this is something that never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's ruling and reigning over the world that he made and the people he came to redeem. So keep this always at the forefront of your mind. This is where our confidence is found in this and in every situation. We're going to be looking again at a passage here in Ephesians 1. We're going to look specifically at verses 20 through 23. So if you found uh, that place in your Bible, I invite you to follow along with me as I read our passage aloud. We're actually going to begin reading in verse 15 because verse 20 starts in the middle of a sentence. Uh, So just for context, we'll begin reading in verse 15 and read through verse 23. Then we will zoom in and focus on verses 20 through 23. So follow along with me as I read, beginning in verse 15. Paul writes, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Here's, here's where we're going to begin our focus, verse 20. That he worked his, his, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. There's a lot there, and I look forward to looking at it with you. Would you pray with me as we begin? Oh, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that this that we just read is your holy, inspired, inerrant, authoritative, sufficient, clear, and necessary word. Thank you that we can come to it unwavering without any doubt. And I pray that as we study 
these words this morning, as familiar as they may be to some of us, as many times as we've read them, some perhaps even memorized them, that they would leap off the page with freshness to us this morning and remind us of the, the, the amazing um, reality of the Lordship of Christ. Please give us eyes to see the truth here. And would you please give us minds to understand this truth? Would you give us hearts to embrace and love this truth? Would you give us wills to obey whatever it may lead and call us to do? Give us all ears to hear, I pray. Give me the help that I need to teach, I pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, <clears throat> there, are, there are three, as we zoom in on verses 20 through 23, there are uh, three sort of truths that, that are clearly seen in these verses about Jesus' lordship. And the first is, if you're taking notes, the first is the dominion of his lordship, the, the dominion of his lordship where Paul is very descriptive in all that Jesus is Lord over. And, and just put it this way, in, in, in Paul's descriptions here of all that Jesus is Lord over, it is an exhaustive list. The dominion of his lordship. That's the first point. The second truth, which we, we will not require a whole lot of explanation, but it is very squarely here at the end of verse 21, is the duration of his lordship. Paul makes that clear at the end of verse 21, the duration of his lordship. And then finally, the passage ends beautifully. It's one of my favorite things about this uh, passage. Uh, it, it ends beautifully showing us what I would call the direction of his lordship. In other words, Paul isn't saying here that, that Christ is merely the sovereign ruler over all things that happen. Um, and all that he has made, but that his lordship and his sovereignty over his, and I would say his meticulous sovereignty, not just general, generic, but meticulous over the details of, of what whatsoever comes to pass in this world. His meticulous sovereignty and lordship over his creation is aimed in a very particular direction, toward a very particular end and purpose. And this is a wonderful truth to know. So let's begin at the beginning and look first at Paul's perspective on uh, the dominion of his lordship. And let me begin by just pointing out and asking, how often do, and just think of it in your own life, in your own prayer life, uh, in your own conversation if you're talking about uh, scripture or, or Christian truth with someone, how often do, do we refer to, quote-unquote, the Lord Jesus Christ without ever really giving thought to, to what is contained in those words, the Lord Jesus Christ, as if that's his name. My name is Kevin Andrew Webb, right? That's my full name, Kevin Andrew Webb. Well, with Jesus, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. We we say those words, and and I don't think I'm. I mean, if I if I use my own self as a as a guide in in my thinking here, I, I think that many of us, when we refer to Him in that way, we're not trying to do so uh, disrespectfully, but we do so uh, sort of sort of flippantly. 
We just those words are just just rotely uh, flow off of our tongue. The Lord Jesus Christ. Right. But but. Give thought to what is contained in those words, Lord. And Christ. I, I say we 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 often refer to those to him in those words kind of flippantly again, not. Um, not intentionally disrespectfully or mockingly but just thoughtlessly thoughtlessly uh when when if we if we really understood all that was contained in in those titles lord jesus christ it would stagger us it would stagger us when we realized uh all that is contained in those titles Paul tries to give us a glimpse here in these early verses uh, of Ephesians 1. If you're, if you're familiar with the context of Ephesians 1, you know, beginning in verse 3, Paul, it's one of the greatest passages in the New Testament outlining all uh, of the salvation, all of the benefits of the salvation that Jesus earned for us and all the, the benefits that the Lord bestowed upon His people uh, in Christ, in their salvation. Uh, you know, it begins in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Beginning in verse 4 with choosing us in Christ before the foundation of the world and then going through all of the benefits we have in Christ through the salvation that He earned. And so that's been the context. Paul is saying, look at the salvation, look at what Jesus did for us and for our salvation. Look at the salvation that he earned. And so that's been the context. And so it's not surprising when we come to verse 20, which is our, our first focal verse for this morning. Uh, it is not surprising that, that in this verse, verse 20, Paul reminds us that, that Jesus is Lord in his salvific work. He is Lord over Death itself. He is Lord even over death itself because of his resurrection from the dead. Look again at verses 19 and 20. He says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Jesus' resurrection demonstrated before a watching world, demonstrated that he is Lord over the greatest, the greatest and most powerful enemy uh, that the world has ever or will ever know, death itself. There is, if you think purely in an earthly way, if you think of uh, apart from the power of the Lord himself, there is no greater power in the world than death itself. The way Brother Al uh, likes to put it often, statistically speaking, one out of every one dies. At some point, one out of every one dies. There is no greater power in the world than sin and death, and, and, and death as a result of sin. This is the greatest threat. This is the greatest earthly power um, that... That, that any, any authority or, or, or anyone or anything could ever hold out against a person, right? 
in Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ, because of his resurrection from the dead, overcame the greatest and most unavoidable enemy of all enemies. And, and, and hence, knowing that he would do this, Jesus could say things uh, like he said. There's a fascinating passage earlier in uh, the New Testament in Luke chapter 21 when Jesus is talking to his disciples and preparing them for the world they were about to enter as his followers. This, listen carefully. This is in Luke chapter 21. This is what he tells his disciples. Jesus told them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, and here's where it would get real for his disciples. Before all this, they will lay their hands on you, telling his disciples. They will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. We, saw, we just studied through the book of Acts. We saw this come to pass uh, with Peter and John early in, in Acts, Acts chapter 4 and 5. We saw it um, with Paul, certainly, uh, later in the book of Acts, laying their hands on him and persecuting him and delivering him up to the synagogues and prisons, as it says here. And you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. We saw that in the book of Acts. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Jesus goes on to say, Settle it, therefore, in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. When you're standing trial, beaten and bloody before a king or a governor, having been persecuted and mistreated by them, don't meditate, he says, beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up, he tells his disciples, you will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And now listen to what he says. And some of you they will put to death. After all of that, after all of that, laying their hands on you, persecuting you, synagogues, prisons, kings, governors, delivered over by parents and brothers and friends and relatives. After all of that, the icing, the, uh, you know, beyond all of that, some of you they will put to death. Think in the book of Acts, think Stephen, right? right? Some of you they will put to death. Peter and John were thrown in prison and threatened and beaten. Stephen was stoned to death. Some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. And here, listen to this. But not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. That is a fascinating, fascinating passage. Jesus was, was preparing them for the world that they were about to, to, to enter as his disciples. And, and he pulled no punches about the threatening enemies that they would face along the way. The, the nations and kingdoms of this world before whom they would stand trial and by whom they would face persecution and mistreatment. Uh, they, the, the, the governments of this world have, have 
immense power over the lives of those who live under their charge. And for Jesus' disciples, they would be delivered over. Even by parents and relatives and brothers and friends, they would be delivered over to those governors and authorities and be persecuted and mistreated by them. There are a lot of enemies in this world. But then Jesus makes this amazing statement beyond the immense power of those enemies and the greatest the greatest power that the, that the governments and authorities over this world hold out over us, he says, some of you they will put to death. Some of you they will kill. That is the greatest threat and enemy they could possibly, we could possibly face. Some of them will die because of their witness for Jesus. That's the greatest of all possible threats they will, they will face. All of you they will persecute. Some of you they will kill. But then he said in that passage in Luke, but not a hair of your head will perish. Some of you they will kill, but not a hair of your head will perish. How in the world is that? How can it be that you are killed, but not a hair of your head will perish? Jesus went there first. Right? Jesus went there first. Jesus let the the, the greatest earthly power of his time, the Roman Empire, right? He allowed the greatest earthly power of his time do their worst to him, to put him to death. And he demonstrated not only being saved from that, that uh, terror, but, but lordship over that terror, over death itself by walking out of the tomb on the third day. He is Lord even over death itself. And when we, when we repent of our sins and put our trust in him, Uh, And we are connected to him by faith, united to him. Everything he accomplished becomes ours as a gift. Uh, Where where he went, we have already gone, right? Including victory over death and the promise of eternal life. And practically speaking, because Jesus is Lord over death, it means, practically, he is Lord over perhaps the most frightening enemy you have in your life, right? Right? Uh, the reason people are frightened about the, uh, the people who are frightened over the coronavirus pandemic, the reason they're frightened about it, they're not only uh, uh, afraid of getting the coronavirus, they're afraid of it killing them. They're afraid of death. But for those who know Christ, who has gone there first, he is Lord even over that most frightening enemy in your life. Therefore, you have nothing to fear, believer. You have every reason to have uh, complete confidence because of the dominion of Jesus' lordship, because it, it, it extends to the greatest and most threatening enemy in your life. But this isn't, isn't all that Paul outlines here about the dominion of, of Jesus' lordship. If you look at verse 21, he sets forth a whole host of enemies in this world over which Jesus rules and is lord. Look at verse 21. Paul had just said, Uh, at the end of verse 20, that Jesus is now seated at the Father's right hand in heaven. And he continues that thought here in verse 21 saying, he is seated there, verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not just above it, far above it. Far above it. All rule, all authority, all power. All dominion in this world. Every name that is named in this world as possessing some kind of power, some kind of authority, 
think think uh, think na- nation rulers and and in our world now think throughout history every name that is named as possessing some kind of earthly authority and power Jesus is above that his name is the name above every name and Paul a couple of these terms that Paul uses here in verse 20 and 21 rule and authority and power and dominion a lot of these terms he uses some of these terms he uses again later in the book in chapter 6 when he's talking about satan and and every spiritual enemy that we have in the world so for example if you in in chapter 6 uh at the beginning of the the uh armor of god section in in ephesians paul says beginning in verse 10 finally be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities. These are words that he used in chapter 1. Against, but he's using them slightly differently here. Against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So there, Paul, Paul is saying that the, the earthly powers and authorities you see, there is another spiritual power behind them. And you better know we have enemies in this world beyond flesh and blood. Satan is real and he is active. And you cannot, you cannot look at... It, 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 is, it is difficult to look at the, the horror of the evils in this world and not think that behind the, 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 the flesh and blood evil in this world, there is another spiritual evil behind it. The, the horrors of abortion, the horrors of human trafficking, the, the horrors of oppressive governments, the horrors of the news stories we've just seen about, a, about a, 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 an unjust murder in, in Georgia. Uh, racism rampant still today. I mean, that's, 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 that's not just in the nations of the world. That's the, that's the wickedness and depravity in our own country in our own state, in our own, in our own uh, town and neighborhood. And you know Satan is real. And, 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 and that he comes, as Jesus said, only to steal and to kill and to destroy. And, and that he, as Peter said, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Satan and his demonic army is active in the world behind the flesh and blood evil we see. Right? But Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6 that the Lord Jesus Christ, and I say that with all sincerity, the Lord Jesus Christ is Lord over Satan and over all his power in the world. And for those who belong to the Lord Jesus by faith, uh, John said, greater is he that is, in the, that is in you than he that is in the world. But in our passage uh, in chapter 21 of uh, chapter 1 of verse 21 well, I can't say that right in chapter 1 verse 21 I believe Paul is re- in, in chapter 1 is I do believe Paul is referring to every human authority on earth as well as every spiritual evil behind them and he is saying that Jesus is Lord over all of them Paul will say in this passage that they've they've been put under his feet one pastor uh, commenting on Paul's list of descriptions here says It covers every kind of power, demonic power and angelic forces, 
human government and physical might, every kind of recognizable authority that we might care to name must bow before his sovereignty and lordship so that he reigns not merely over evil, but over all things. That is without question the point of what Paul is saying here. Jesus is Lord over all things, every atom and molecule in the universe. That's why I say meticulous lordship and sovereignty. He is, he is sovereign over every drop of rain. Uh, as well as the most godless and arrogant dictator in the world. No amount of denial or rebellion against that will alter that truth in fact. Jesus rules and he reigns, and Isaiah says one day every knee will bow in heaven and on earth uh, and, and, and confess that he is Lord. Uh, and to that we move to our second point. How long will he possess this lordship and rulership? How long? What is the duration of his lordship? The duration of his lordship. Look again at verse 21. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. I mean, simply put, the duration of his lordship is forever, right? There will never come a time when Jesus is not Lord. He is Lord now. He will be Lord forever. His, his lordship is not in any way dependent upon the popularity of Christianity in the world, right? When it seems like everything but Jesus is victorious in the world, don't think for a moment that his lordship has expired uh, or, or that something else has taken its place or has uh, more influence than it that is a mirage don't believe it jesus is lord now and will be forever in this age but also in the one to come and those who love him in this age will be everlastingly happy they did in the age to come but there's a there's a final truth here the direction of his lordship and it's the it's the it's the truth that i i most wanted to to highlight here We've already seen the dominion of his lordship. He is lord over everything that exists. He created all that exists. He is lord over it, right? And he will be lord over it forever and ever and ever. But then finally, let's think about the direction of his lordship. The direction. To me, this is one of the most amazing points of this whole passage. This is the truth we see in verse 22. And I want you to look and think carefully about what it says. Uh, look at verse 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Did you catch Paul's wording there? Jesus comes as head over all things to the church. Jesus is Lord over the church from the position of being Lord over all things. And I hope you understand clearly what that means. Maybe it will help you understand how important it is that Paul worded it that way if you pretend that he didn't. <laughs> what if, what if Paul said that Jesus was Lord over the church without having said that he is Lord over all things, right? What would that mean? It would mean that Jesus, even though he is Lord over the church, could not absolutely assure the church of any good thing. If he is not Lord over all things, how could he assure, ensure 
any of His promises for the church will infallibly come to pass. But because He is Lord over all things, over every blade of grass, over every breeze that blows, every wave, every grain of sand, insect, animal, person, family, company, governor, ruler, every atom and molecule that exists in the world, in the universe that He has made, He can do as He said for the church and promised for the church and for every believer, which is work all things which He is sovereign over together for their good. He can work all things together for you uh, in your, in, 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 for your good if you believe and belong to Him because He is sovereign Lord over all things. There are two implications of this that I would want to give you here as we wind down. One, just be thankful and confident. Be thankful and confident. Don't, don't be anxious about anything. I know that's easier said than done. But when our flesh is tempted to be anxious about anything, let the, let the Spirit-inspired truth of the sovereign Lordship of Jesus Christ over all things uh, saturate your mind. And don't be anxious about anything, but make your request known to that sovereign Lord who loves you. So be thankful and confident. That's one thing. But two, um, don't neglect His Word. Don't neglect His Word. The Word that He gives you in these pages are not just words of the Lord of the church, but of the Lord of all. Right? And nothing guides the church and our, our college ministry, nothing guides us as believers more than the Scriptures. If, if any other document, if any other opinion ever takes primacy over the principles set forth in Scripture, burn it. <laughs> right? If any other wisdom or any other opinion tries to take hold in the church that Jesus wouldn't recognize and you can't find in Scripture, call it out. Rid the church of it. That's not saying we ought not ever listen to anything, but Scripture is the norming norm. Scripture is, 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 the, is the one that settles all opinions or debates. Jesus is Lord over the church, and He rules His church by His Word. And the Holy Spirit works through that Word. So, so church, be wise in the ways of God. Be wise in the ways of God. Know it. Love it. Live it out. And, 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 and leaders of the church, uh, those who, who have been given roles of teaching and and shepherding in some way, have even a greater responsibility in this. Woe be to any who lead or teach or, or influence the church um, who, who let their opinions get in the way or take primacy over what Scripture says. If our, if our opinions don't spring from God's eternal wisdom written down for us that never changes from age to age, woe be unto us. Jesus Christ and Him alone is Lord over heaven and earth and Lord over His church. So, trust the Lord. Trust the Lord of the church. Love Him. Fear Him. Submit your life to Him. Serve Him. Honor Him. Repent before Him. Recognize that He not only is the Creator and the Redeemer, He is the Lord over all that He's made. And you're merely a recipient of His free grace. So, may Jesus be high and lifted up in your hearts this morning, right? And in this church, both now and until the day that he returns. And I hope you're ready for that day. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this word. 
May the assurance of the Lordship of Jesus Christ saturate our hearts and become the dominant focal point of our view of the world that you've made and that we live in. For the sake of, of our own good and for your glory. Amen.